CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. This is Rudy Sarzo, and you're listening to Talking Metal. Hi, this is Ozzy Osbourne, and you're listening to Talking Metal. <laughs> Mark Striegel, John Astronomy, the Talking Metal Podcast, coming to you from Jersey City, New Jersey. I'm Bud Friendly, and now your hosts, Mark and John. Mark Striegel here, Talking Metal. Hey, it's John Astronomy. We are coming to you from the Iron Monkey in Jersey City, New Jersey. Literally one of my absolute favorite bars. Yeah, I would uh, say this is what, one of your neighborhood bars that you hang out yeah, at a lot? Absolutely. Yeah, I always no have a fun time it. hanging here with you. Jersey City, uh, of course, in, in the uh, public eye a lot. I don't know if you caught American Idol the other weeks with uh, Steven Tyler. But uh, they did the auditions right across the way here over at uh, Liberty State Park. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, so a lot of shots of Jersey City. I think they even once mentioned that they were coming from Jersey City. Oh, that's great. They had, it was weird. They had like a stadium fill, filled up with people over, at, I think, in Newark. But they must have like bust the actual audition uh, people that they wanted on camera in front of the, the judge panel wow. over here to Jersey City. So Very um, cool. Cool stuff fun to see Steven Tyler. I mean, whether you yeah. like that stupid show or not, I mean, 
you know, 45 million viewers. Uh, most of us are obviously watching it uh, yeah, for no better doubt. or worse. And I, I've enjoyed seeing Steven, Steven Tyler, Tyler, who I've been yeah. a fan of ever since oh, I was absolutely. a little kid. I yeah. think he's great. Uh, yeah. You know, I was in here at the Iron Monkey yesterday, and uh, Aerosmith's version of Train Kept a Rolling came on. Oh, so and great, yeah. Such a great tune. And you know what I like about that is that Steven Tyler just did it as himself, whereas sometimes when people do covers, they try to sound like a previous version, and what's cool about him is he doesn't need to do that. He can just do it, it you know, as Steven Tyler, as Aerosmith, and that was done a long time ago, so yeah, I, I love the way that he did that tune, and you know, he's great. It's interesting. Brings in the Yardbird connection there, uh, with a, which it wasn't originally a Yardbird right, song. It was right. an old blues song, yeah. but the Yardbirds had kind of made that song famous, I think, before Aerosmith covered it. Right, and, and uh, even before Zeppelin did it, right? Yeah, and Zeppelin used to do it, but they they never recorded oh, they it never on one of their, it. Wow. their their studio releases. At least, I don't believe it's on any of their live records, but I might be wrong about that. But yes, Zeppelin did play that uh, in um, in concert, and of course, Zeppelin were considered the new Yardbirds. <clears throat> Before they started officially calling themselves Zeppelin, wow. Led Zeppelin, um, Steven Tyler just on Howard Stern the other day. I did not hear the interview, but apparently he he said that Jimmy Page uh, offered to record with him recently, and that he cool. uh, he turned that down so he could wow. stay with uh, with, Aerosmith. with Aerosmith. Yeah. So, and I yeah. guess they did do some jamming together. Yeah, uh, so I heard that Steven Tyler was even considered to be a singer. For Zeppelin at one point. Now, I could have sworn, I may be wrong about this, that the Jimmy Page version of that story, which Jimmy may have spoken about earlier, or maybe it was John Paul Jones or Jason Bono, I'm not sure, was that they did jam with him, but it wasn't working out on their end. But I might be mistaken oh, about okay. that. Yeah, definitely Google that. Never take for granted, uh, never take uh, what we say here right, as, yeah. uh, as 100% hey, news, because we're hey, just sitting here drinking... Some drinks at the yeah, Iron let's Monkey. Do a talking metal having toast. a good time. This is an official isn't is not an official news uh, <laughs> yeah. show. So, yeah, it's great to be doing an in person, you know, old school style talking metal. Yes, absolutely. Great to be back here in Jersey City. I was here actually. I know enough with Jersey City, and we'll get into the interview here with Rudy Sarzo in just a second, but I was here in Jersey City last weekend. Oh. Sorry I didn't call you, but I brought my son over to the Liberty uh, Science Center. Right, right. Yeah, what a great, great place. Uh, great, yeah, did he like great, it? Yeah, well, he loved it. It's great for little kids, you know, wow. to run around and uh, play with, like, jungle gyms. And Yeah, you that's know, great, Mike. Just you two? Uh, no, Emily was there, and the baby was there. We're oh, actually cool. with another couple from Maplewood. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, Liberty Science Center is such a great place, and I've been there like number of times. And yeah, and by the way, when when your son gets a little bit older, also in Jersey City, down in that area, there is this new like go kart racing. Oh, really? Complex oh. with video games and all kind of crazy stuff. Oh, cool. And I've not yet been there, but I know it's down in that area somewhere. Sweet, definitely have to check yeah. that out. Let's get into uh, some music here and talk about our guest on today's show. I mean, what a history this guy has from Ozzy to Quiet Riot to White Snake to, I mean, just to Dio. I mean, right, so right. much, so, so many much great amazing stuff. bands. Yeah. yeah. McAlpine. And we are talking about the one, the only Rudy Sarzo, who I have to say is one of the, the absolute nicest musicians, nicest people I've ever met in my entire life. Yeah, great guy. Definitely. And basically what happened was John had been hanging out with Rudy and, and uh, 
assisting him in a few different ways at this rock and roll fantasy camp. And you hooked up an interview that was happening during the day. You were unable to cut away from right. your, your day job. I ran over. I did the interview thanks to you. And, again, it was oh, an honor, yeah. so thank you for hooking <laughs> that up. And um, you uh, actually have been in contact with him since, and he might actually come back on Talking Metal right. at some point Abs- soon. Absolutely. So, basically, on, on your interview, Mark, you covered the Off the Rails book and a lot of cool stuff about Rudy's career and some other stuff, which I can't wait to hear. And then what we thought is that we'll have Rudy come back on Talking Metal for part two of his interview. And in that interview, he'll talk all about Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp. Yeah, you know, we touched a little on Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp at the beginning of this interview, but there was so much more to talk about that we did not cover. I got a chance to see him actually in the studio I went over to Avatar Studios where he was actually recording with the band. Right, right. And he would actually, he went right in the room with the guitar player and was sitting down there with him, like talking about the actual notes the guy was picking. Wow. And they kept doing take after take after take. And I was impressed with, with the song that these, these I guess you'd call them campers, campers were, had right. put together. So they, that was an original song that they wrote within yeah. like a day or two. Yeah, and it was like, good. It was good. I mean, cool. I, I hope we can hear that somewhere officially at some yeah. point. Yeah. We'll have to con- I bet Rudy will get a copy and maybe we can play it. So without further ado, let's get into a little classic Ozzy here. Live with Randy Rhodes, of course, Rudy Sarzo. Absolutely, from the Tribute album. Yes, Tommy Aldridge on the drums. Here is Ozzy Osbourne, Rudy Sarzo followed by our interview with the man himself, Mr. Rudy Sarzas.
Mark Striegel checking in on Talking Metal. We are sitting here with the one and only Rudy Sarzo, who is in New York City, a very uh, very cold week here in January. Um, welcome to the winter storms that I'm sure you don't get here in uh, California. Well, actually, being in New York City, anytime is the best time to be here. I, I just love coming to the city. Let's talk about what you're doing here right now. You are here with the Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp. I just was able to see a little bit of what you do in the studio with these guys. It's uh it's what is it's teaching, producing. It's actually it's it's it's, it's pretty involved. I mean, I, I started doing them for about two and a half years ago. And when I first, you know, got the opportunity to do Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp, I had no clue what it was gonna be all about. All I just knew is that I wanted to do it because all these people that I really admired had already been doing Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp, such as my friend Bruce Kulick, who was the one who introduced me to David Fishoff, the founder of uh, Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp. And uh, oh, there's also like, you know, this a huge rotate, uh, rotating team of counselors at the camp, such as, for example, Mark Hudson and Kip Winger. They're pretty much, you know, they, they participate in every single camp. But we have, like I mentioned, Bruce Kulick, and sometimes we have Rami Jaffe from, from the Foo Fighters and the Wallflowers. And uh, just a whole bunch of great, incredible musicians that participate. And uh, we're, we're basically, they look at us as counselors, but actually we become more of a band member. And every camp is very unique in the fact that we get a whole different set of musicians in our camp. You know, So it's all, always a new configuration, new inspirations, new ideas. And uh, there's a certain goal that must be achieved by the end of the camp which is actually to perform live. Like this weekend at BB Kings, we're going to be performing live an original song, a cover song, and the uh, the best band is going to actually get to perform live with Roger Daltrey at BB Kings. But even if you don't, do not win, Roger Daltrey is going to be performing with us at the rehearsal room. So everybody gets a chance to feel the magic of Roger Daltrey. That's that's really awesome. And how long have you been doing this again? For about two and a half years. As a matter of fact, uh, Mark Hudson, Kip Winger, and myself, we're the three counselors on the reality show right. based on Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp on VH1 Classic. Very cool. I wanted to talk. You have such an extensive history, and I've seen you perform with so many different bands through the years. Uh, I wanted to start with something you did uh, a year or two ago with Tim Ripper Owens. You played a, a few songs on the Play My Game album, which I thought it was just a really strong record. How did you get involved with Tim? I've known Tim, well, Ripper, <laughs> Tim Owens for a long time. Uh, we actually have in common the, uh, the same management team, uh, Wendy Dio. I've been a member of, uh, I was a member from, of Dio from 2004 until uh, when Ronnie passed away this uh, in 2010, May 16th. And, uh, but a couple of years ago, I, I, got, I was asked by, by Tim Ripper to perform on his record. So I actually got to play on half of the, of the CD. And uh, it's, he's an outstanding songwriter and singer, you know, so it was, it was so much fun, you know, to play on the record, you know. And were you guys in the studio together or did you do it like at separate times? <coughs> uh, Bob Kulick, uh, Bruce Kulick's brother, right, right. Bob, uh, he produced the album. So I've worked with him before. And uh, it's it's interesting because he, I, you know, it's only maybe one or two occasions I've actually been in the room with another musician, let's say a drummer, 
to cut a, a rhythm track. Usually what he does is he just a tracks you know, musicians separately. The drums at one time, they'll have the bass player come in and do all the bass tracks and the guitars and, and so on, you know. That's the way he, he, he loves to work, you know, and it works. He gets great, great results. But no, I was not in the room with any of the other musicians, including uh, Ripper. Well, I saw you play, I guess it was probably like 2004, 2005 at the Beacon with, with Ronnie, uh, which was just yeah. a, a great, great show. And uh, Ronnie is just, 2004, uh, Ronnie is, is just so missed and, and we were all just so heartbroken over, over what happened. I wanted to ask you, um, was, was there plans with Ronnie to do another record? Uh, had you been talking about that with him at all before his death? Yes, as a matter of fact, we were uh, at re- uh, rehearsals. Uh, we have been about rehearsing for about 10 days when Ronnie was diagnosed with what they uh, thought it was originally a uh, stomach ulcers uh, because he was complaining of having, uh, it was like burping a lot during rehearsal. He was singing amazingly, beautifully. As a matter of fact, we, were, we had gone deeply into the Rainbow catalog and we were doing songs that had been done in decades. So, uh, and then they just took him to emergency because we were like two days away from flying out to the UK to begin the 2009 deal tour. And then uh, he came back from emergency and uh, Wendy Deal came to a rehearsal and says, listen, uh, Ronnie's been diagnosed. Uh, they think it might be stomach ulcers and, you know, hopefully that, that's all there is to it. A couple of days later, he was diagnosed with uh, stomach cancer. And so they started treatment immediately, and it looked there up until the end that he was he had beaten it. He was he was even even you know able to go down to the to the gods of metal, right? The award show, yeah. the award show, and receive a lifetime achievement award and all that. So that 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 was wonderful, and uh, I I got the phone call like the day before he passed away because it's just everything changed completely. It just, yeah, they, they changed his medication because uh, the medication he had been up until the end was not taking effect anymore. And as soon as that happened, it just took the turn for the worse. And, and within 20, 36 hours, he was gone. Yeah. Wow. Um, it, just such, such a tragic loss. And, I mean, back in the 80s when you were touring with Ozzy or even, I guess, it would have been Quiet Riot and White Snake. were you a fan of Ronnie's music? Did you listen a lot to his albums like Last in Line, Holy Diver at that time? Well, actually, I was a fan of Ronnie. I mean, I still am. Even uh, uh, as far as Rainbow. Rainbow. You know, I remember exactly the first time I heard his, his voice was uh, Men on the Silver Mountain. It was just unbelievable. Uh, and and it's, it, uh, it's really... Interesting looking back of my relationship with Ronnie because he came into my life at a, at a time where I, where I thought that I had just experienced just about everything that there is to as far as working with a singer in, in the industry after working with Ozzy and, you know, David Carverdale and so on. And then Ronnie just took it to a whole different level because he, he was the most, he was the greatest storyteller hard rock heavy metal has ever had. Not only had an incredible voice, but an incredible command of the characters that he sang about. You know, he personified to be on stage with him singing either Gates of Babylon, which just took me on a cinematic trip. I mean, every time I heard him sing the song, I mean, the images going through my mind, it was just like, you know, Peter Jackson or something. (laughs) It was like he actually took me 
to the desert, to the gates of Babylon, you know, in my head every time he did that. And, or to hear him sing um, uh, Man on the Silver Mountain, you know, yeah. things like that. It was just like, yeah, there I was right on top of the mountain with him, you know. And, and now you mentioned you guys had been rehearsing and you were doing some rainbow stuff that he hadn't played in years and yeah. stuff. W- were you working on any new material? W- uh, was there any yeah. songwriting going on? Uh, yes. If if Ronnie would, would have survived the cancer right now, we would have either been working on the second, probably the second uh, or third Magica, which was, the, that was the plan. By now we would have been probably finishing it because he wanted to do Magica 2 and 3 simultaneously and tour on that, in addition to, you know, to continue touring with Heaven and Hell, because he was, he was, he was very happy that he was able to get back with the guys sure. and carry on and do some unfinished business. So none of that stuff, uh, Magica 2 and 3, was, was recorded or anything like that? We got to do one song. It was called Electra, yeah, which yeah. became available uh, on a box set or okay. something like that. Uh yeah, that was it. That was kind of like a, a, a taste of things to come. Yeah. Cool. I wanted to ask you about your memories of Whitesnake. You played on on one record with those guys, and uh, you were prominently featured in the music video for the record, music videos for the record everybody. before that. Yeah, so it was everybody else, uh, with the exception of Coverdale. Um, what memories do you have of White Snake? Are they fond memories of that tour and recording the Slip of the Tongue record, or are they not so fond? I had an incredible time with White Snake. I mean, it's, uh, you know, no, I, I was so much fun h- hanging out with, with David, you know. And... Uh, what an incredible singer. You know, going on stage with him every night was just spectacular. You know, he has, he's got so much power. He sings very flat-footed. But by that I mean that he's he's very center with the ground. And when you stand on stage near him, you can feel a shake as he's singing. It's, he's, he gets a lot of power from the bottom up. Yeah, that was a fun tour. I remember Great White opened for you guys when I when I saw you. That was a that was definitely a lot of fun. 87, 88 tour, and then you did another tour after that was Bad yeah. Bad English was the uh, yeah in nineteen ninety with Steve I in the band. Right. Yes. Yeah. Very cool. Um, so let's talk about uh, Quiet Riot. You played on four of their records. Two two of the biggest Quiet, or I would say the biggest Quiet Riot records. Um, any thoughts on uh, Frankie? He has decided to continue on the band without Kevin. Uh, I was just curious if you had any opinions on that. I know there was a record, of course, without Kevin. So you know. Yeah. No. I mean, I I, I completely totally support Frankie's decision. You know, it's uh, it's basically the same band that was together before Kevin passed away. You know, and uh, I I think it's very important to to carry on the. Uh, the essence, the spirit of Quiet Riot, the music. The music, you know, lives on forever. You know, it's, you know, our generation will pass, but our the music of our generation will live on. And that's what bands, as they continue with, you know, and Quiet Riot is not the only band that is going out there without the original members. You know, there's a... Yeah, as a matter of fact, most of the bands right. out there. Yeah, not just metal bands, even Motown. I mean, some of the yeah. Motown bands have no original yeah, members. Exactly. Sometimes they have, like, the original drum roadie. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's coming. I mean, you know, they're not the only ones, yeah. yeah. 
I saw you guys uh, with Quiet Riot. It was it was fun to see kind of that classic Quiet Riot lineup. I think it was back in 2002. You got back together with Carlos. Yeah, and yeah. We uh, got back together in 97. That's when we started. Uh, the, the reunion started in 97. Right. By yeah. 2002, were we touring with uh, Poison? Was that the uh, the Glam Slam Metal Tour or something like that? You may have. I saw you at BB King's, and oh, I think yeah, it was yeah. you were just headlining yeah. on your own. Headlining yeah. on our own, yeah, because we did that. Yeah, 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 exactly. And that was just a great memory because I believe it was one year exactly yeah. after nine eleven that you were here in the city. That's right. As a matter of fact, one of the things I remember about that was that the Fred from Stern Show right. was the opening act. Yeah, that's right. And my yeah, wife yeah. is like the biggest Stern fan, so right. she, I make sure that I got you know Fred's. You know, autograph. <laughs> Fred Norris from the Stern Show. I had totally forgotten that, which brings me to my next uh, uh, comment for you. Uh, your book, Off the Rails, just an amazing read. I, I truly enjoyed it. And and uh, you have an amazing memory. I mean, just the fact that you could remember that Fred opened up for you there. And, and, and you, you go into such great detail in this book. Um, is this just... From your memory, or did you keep journals and stuff from back in the day? Absolutely. I, I, well, I kept journals of pl- time, places, how much I spend on my meals, you know, things like that. Uh, the events, yeah, but also, you know, they, uh, there was a, a – uh, and I talk about it in the book. At the end of the Blizzard of Oz tour, Sharon gave all the guys in the band a book filled with all of the reviews yeah. and photos and blah, blah, blah. So I had all these resources and, of course, you know, the, uh, the, the, tour, the, the tour, you know, books. Yeah. But what happens is at the beginning of the tour, they give you the book. By the end of the tour, the information of the book is irrelevant because a lot of the shows got rescheduled, canceled, yeah. whatever, yeah. <laughs> you know. So I, I, my, my notes, um, you know, from from my diary is what were the accurate information that I that I that I followed. Now it was interesting. I was talking to Frankie Benelli, and he told me there was a time that, and I wanted to just ask you if you happen to remember this. I don't know. I'm assuming it was when you were already involved with Ozzy, but that Ozzy actually brought him down to a rehearsal, and he actually did a little jamming with Randy and oh. Ozzy. Yeah, it was uh, Frankie and Dana Strum from 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 Slaughter. Slaughter, sure. And and uh, and and Randy, yeah, yeah. Cool. Um, just such such an amazing history that you go into this book, and a lot of new things. Is is much as I'm a student of heavy metal and hard rock, I never, you know, I always heard from the Aussie camp that Randy was thinking of leaving rock altogether, and and you know, you kind of go into that in a lot of detail in your book. And the one thing I found interesting is that he had agreed to do another studio record with Ozzy. Yeah, uh, Randy was going to do another studio album and uh, one or two more tours, you know, to support it. Uh, it wasn't necessarily that Randy was going to leave rock. It's that Randy was going to go back to school. And also he wanted to pursue a career as a studio musician because what really used to drive him nuts is playing the same songs <laughs> over and over again. He was too creative for that. And I think, uh, you know, he would have been kind of like a Jeff Beck type of guy, you know, just go in there, either do sessions or do his own solo, solo records, you know. And, and, uh, was there any pre-production or any songwriting that had started for this next Ozzy record with Randy involved and possibly you involved? 
Yes, we had it all in Pro Tools and in, in our laptops <laughs> right. back in 1982. Yes. <laughs> no, we just didn't have the technology to be able to do that. I mean, the the best you could do on the road was uh, some little micro mini cassette player that sounded like crap. So it wasn't really, really uh, uh, creatively, you know, a, create a very creative environment to be on the road. You just basically you rolled out of out of, out of your bunk back into the hotel, get some lunch, take a shower, go to the mall, go to soundcheck, do the gig, get back on the bus, have a glass of wine, get in your bunk and do it all over again the next day. It wasn't like today. You know, today you would be like like a tweetering or, you know, sending text messages or, you know, going online or, or, or you know, like in my case, I spent a lot of time sitting at waiting for planes out the gate, you know, and working on either video or, you know, animation or, or or music you know whatever I, I'm, I'm always doing you know something creative you mentioned in the book that when you initially left uh, Ozzy's band you were not on the best of terms with Ozzy and Sharon and then at some point you kind of got on better terms with them again uh, have you heard from them since the book has released and have they approved of the book or have they been unhappy for some reason well, let let me clarify the statement you made just just because sure. th- th- there's there, there's some validity to what you just said. Yeah, because uh, at the end of the book, I go back to the present. Mm-hmm. So when I left, the re- the only reason why I left was because it was very painful to go on stage without Randy. Because you have to take into consideration that the crash happened. Ten days later, we were back on the road again. I can't imagine. Yeah, it was incredible. There was no time to heal, no time for not even closure, nothing. It was just mourning, nothing. So all we knew was that we were back on stage again and everything remained the same. I wore the same clothes, same stage production, same intro tape of Randy playing the the intro to Diary of a Madman. As soon as you step on stage, you look to your left, Randy wasn't there. That was very painful. So the only way I could deal with it was to like, go into automatic mode, just put my head down, ignore the crowd, ignore the band, just play notes. I wasn't even playing music by then. I was just playing notes. And I realized that that's what had happened to me when I actually got to watch the rough edit of the Speak of the Devil video that was premiered on MTV Halloween 1982. Yeah, with Brad Gillis playing guitar, and I said, "My God, I've, I've become a robot. I'm not even playing. This is this is just I'm surviving the show. Is what I'm doing." So you have to, you know, that was the only reason why I left because Arthur and Sharon they took incredibly great care of me. Right. They were fantastic. And also another thing you have to consider that I had is I decided to leave Ozzy, a huge band, to join Quiet Riot. That nobody it was there was nothing. Right. I was joining. Nothing. You know, we were, we had an album, which was Metal Health, but nobody wanted to manage the band. There was no support from the record company, no nothing. It was absolutely zero. It was like, if you, in, 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 in retrospect, it was the worst business decision or career decision anybody could make. But at the time, it was the only decision I could make emotionally because it was definitely, that that wasn't the reason why I started playing music. I wanted to be happy. I wanted to really enjoy playing, and I wasn't enjoying it anymore. It was very painful. And in the book, you say it just felt kind of, felt right when you were with Quiet Riot at that time. Emotionally, it it was like an emotional refuge to go and play with them, you know. Uh, 
uh, yes, I was playing, you know, with, with my friend Kevin Dubro, my old friend Frankie Benelli, and my new friend Carlos, who we already knew from, from Snow being in the same circuit as Quiet Riot. And that's, you know, sometimes that's all, you, you know, you, you play music because you, you want to be happy. You don't want to be feeling pain all the time, you know. So that was my decision. But, you know, I, I decided to go from, like, the biggest band in the world to, like, zero, <laughs> you know, with no guarantees, no nothing. But at least, you know, I, it, that's, that's what my heart sent me. And, and obviously God. Otherwise, you know, I would have never, you know, gotten to, to, to where we did. You know, it, it was a miracle that Quiet Riot got as big as it did. Not because the band was bad, but just because the industry did not give us a thought they were just these they, they thought well these guys you know in a, a band from LA that is never gonna get anywhere and certain things fell into place and and there you go it was a great record and MTV exposure we got on some great tours and the band happened to be able to deliver live and that's what took us to number one with God's help <laughs> yeah it's interesting too uh to learn that that uh you're a religious man in the book. I never knew that about you. Uh, do you attend a certain church in in the I'm Los not, Angeles? I mean, I'm not as religious as the Pope, but uh, but you know, but I believe. You know, I'm a yeah. believer. Yeah, yeah. Oh, believe me, I got <laughs> I got many reasons too. Right. <laughs> uh, and kind of just back to the book. So since it's been released, which I believe was 2006, uh, have you heard Have you heard it all from the Ozzy Sharon camp about the book? Uh, Sharon claims that she hasn't read it as of the last time that, that she told somebody that she has not read the book. Uh, Ozzy's Ozzy. He, he doesn't care. Right. You know, he just, you know, we, we see each other and comes over, gives me a hug. We say hi. Sharon's a little bit diff- different story, but you know, it's, you know, if she ever gets a chance to read it, she'll know that it's, you know, it's all, you know, there's nothing negative you yeah. know it's, it's it's a celebration of, of the life of randy Rhodes. Right. you know you you really don't paint paint them in a bad light at all i mean it's I, I, it's I it's 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 i will be lying if i did and have you read ozzy's book no not yet but 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 i, I looked at it on my pictures in there with the band and my name's spelled correctly so that that's all i need to know <laughs> Okay, very good. Um, I, I know you probably need to get back to the uh, the fantasy camp here, but a couple quick questions uh, before we let you go. Um, I heard you're, you're doing some work with, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing these names right, but Will Walner and Vivian Vane. Uh, yeah. Tell me a little bit about that. Yes, yes, they they approached me. As a matter of fact, I believe uh, Vinny Apice is playing playing uh, on their record too, and uh, and Carmine also. And Carmine, of course. Well, are they doing like a double drum thing? Sure. <laughs> I love playing with. I mean, Carmine, my God, he's uh, he's like my first hero rhythm section was Carmine and Tim Bogart. Mm. You know, I mean, those are, that's the Vanilla Fudge was the band that I, I went to the show and said I saw Tim Bogart on stage and said that's what I want to do. You know. He he had he had it all. I mean, he I, he still does. But uh, and then Vinny, Vinny is an incredible you know drummer. I've, I've I've had the opportunity to play with him various times, and it's just incredible, very inspiring. So uh, yeah, I get the call from uh, Vivian and Will, and uh, they asked me to play on their record, and, and I've been cutting some tracks. Yeah. Cool. Look forward to hearing those. And before we let you go, if you could just share some of the uh, the memories of growing up and going to concerts. What what were some of your favorite or what concerts stand out the most that you that you saw? You mentioned uh, 
um, seeing Carmine uh, when you were younger. Did you go to? Did you see Led Zeppelin? Did you see bands like that growing up? Yes, uh, yeah. Um, I used to live in. I grew up in Florida. Actually, I spent I spent time in Jersey. Yeah. I, I was born in Cuba, was New York. My family moved to Miami from Cuba, from Havana. Then they relocated us to West New York. From West New York, three uh, by sixty-seven, we were back in Miami, and so I got to attend a lot of the major concerts down in Florida. Uh, Led Zeppelin, so Led Zeppelin. Uh, there were so many bands that played down there, but I would say Led Zeppelin, Alice Cooper, David Bowie, Joe Cocker. I would say Rod Stewart and the Faces on tour with Deep Purple was one of the most memorable ones because as soon as I – there was a sense of abandon. Oh, The Who. I saw, Actually, I saw The Who at a, one of the most unique venues. I saw Queen and The Who at the Miami uh, uh, Marine Stadium which was actually a stadium right on a like a like a pond connected to the bay Key Biscayne Bay and they had used to have like boat races and then when they had concerts they're bringing like a floating stage with a shell and so the stage would be on the on the water it would be like a little uh, like a moat and then there's the other uh, stands, the grandstands. So you'll be watching the show. And most of the bands will come in in, in a yacht wow. from somewhere else in a hotel. And it was it, they will make cool. spectacular yeah. entrances. You know, like Queen arriving. It will be like fog. They had like fog machines floating. You know, the fog will be floating on the water. And there's Queen arriving in a yacht. And, yeah, that was the sheer heart attack tour. Oh, that okay. was fantastic. Yeah. And Frank Marino. And Mahogany Rush right. opened up for wow. them on that one. Yeah. And The Who at the same venue. Now, The Who was different. They didn't uh, arrive in a boat. They were actually in the venue, and they just came through the crowd. <laughs> but I clearly remember the last song was My Generation, of course, and they wrecked the whole, you know, back line. And Keith Moon throws the drum kit into the water. Now... And since there was a moat, a lot of people used to come in with boats, like like small boats, not big yachts, but like maybe 15, 20 footers, and park right in front of the stage. So somebody, so this girl is, is, is grabbing <laughs> one of the Keith Moon's tom-tom that's floating on the water, and she's like grabbing it, and his roadie, it was a guy with a shaved head, you know, really English, you know, big burly guy, comes in and just beats her in the head and grabs the tom-tom and throws it back on on the stage again. Yes. <laughs> the good old days. <laughs> Thank you for joining us, uh, Rudy. And uh, will you be back out on the road with uh, Blue Oyster Cult or anybody else uh, anytime soon? Yeah. Yeah, as a matter of fact, we, we started toward at uh, the end of February. I'm sorry, the end of January. We're going out to uh, to the Dominican Republic to do our first show. And then we start picking up a bunch of dates in the, in the U.S. Excellent. Cool. Well, enjoy your stay in New York. And thanks for joining us on Talking Metal.
That was Slip of the Tongue from White Snake's Slip of the Tongue. This was a, a great record, and you guys may not know this, and you probably do, but this was the first White Snake album that Rudy actually played on. Right. Now, it also reunited him with Tommy, the drummer who, who he toured with on uh, the Diary of a Madman tour. Right. And uh, actually, it, it's funny because he started touring with Ozzy before the Diary of a Madman record was actually out. Right. Um, which is why his picture ended up on that record at that right. time, even though he didn't officially play on play that on record. Album, right. At least on the vinyl and cassette versions of that for you old school guys like like ourselves out there um yeah so he reunited with tommy on the drums uh, in white snake and we actually saw them down in rhode island on that tour absolutely uh, on let me pull out my notes here uh on january 26 1988 john and i headed down with, with a couple friends to uh providence rhode island and caught them at the providence civic center Great time, and I love going to concerts. We rented a car that time, right? Yes, we did, and Great White opened, and I always found it kind of eerie because the what happened with Great White many right. years later in Rhode Island that we had actually been at the the, the yeah. White Snake Great White show in yep. Rhode Island uh, many years before, but it was a, it was a great time, and a funny thing happened. Uh, my friend Derek Sivers, who a lot of you guys might know from CD Baby fame, uh, we. Um, we're walking around Boston, hanging out as we did a lot. Derek right. was a good friend uh, back then, uh, and uh, still still a friend, although I haven't really spoken with him that much lately. Um, but he um, he and I were hanging out, and I d- somehow knew that White Snake were staying at the Four Seasons Hotel. So the day after the concert, Derek and I uh, just had happened to be walking by. And we said, "Let's stick our heads in there and see if we see David Coverdale or any That's of the guys." Cool. And sure enough, there. Getting on the elevator, we saw Rudy Sarzo, and we uh, both snapped a quick picture with him. And those pictures of Derek, Rudy, and myself will be available in today's show notes on TalkingMetal.com. So definitely check that, that out. It's so cool that you got those photos yeah, like, the from, next day uh, after the concert. Yeah. So January that would be, 27th, 1988, yeah, at the that is Four out of control. Hotel in Boston. Rudy Sarzo, Mark Striegel, and Derek Sivers. And then we're also going to throw up a photo. And Derek did not take his sunglasses off for the picture, which oh, is kind of yeah? funny. Yeah. <laughs> He looks like the rock star in the picture. Oh, that's yeah. great. Yeah, that's cool. classic. Um, and then we're also going to throw up a picture of me and Rudy from B.B. King's, where after the whole week of Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp, people can do a, either a four- or a six-day camp at this particular one. They do a grand finale concert, uh, and this particular concert took place at B.B. King's in New York, which was great. And uh, so we snapped a picture backstage at that show. Oh, cool. Cool. Well, I can't wait to see that. And, uh, again, a big thanks to Rudy. If you have not read his book, Off the Rails, about his time with Ozzy, it is a must-read and uh, great stuff, great stuff. Absolutely, and, uh, no doubt about it. The guy, it. as we talk about in the, in the interview, uh, has a photographic memory, which is why this book is so detailed. He also had uh, research put together in a binder that Sharon gave him, Sharon Osborne. Wow. And uh, which included all the reviews and stuff, which helped refresh his memory and also keep all those uh, concerts and times vivid in his memory all these years later. Um, And he also did keep a journal, which uh, he mentions in the interview, which, again, explains how much detail this uh, this book, Off the Rails, has. It's a great, great read. I really enjoyed it. 
go to your local bookstore and pick that up. Hey, by the way, did you know that Rudy used to live in New Jersey? I did because yeah. he talks about it in the book. Great, he great. Uh, he lived in uh, West New York, yeah. I believe. Which for you guys outside of the tri-state area here, West New York is it's. Sounds like it would be in New York. It's right. actually a town in New Jersey. So right. uh, he did live in New Jersey, and he played. I believe he played gigs in New Jersey, according to the book, yeah, too. Which so is very cool. So uh, interesting stuff with and his bro- brother, um, who went on to, of course, uh, have the great band Hurricane. Hurricane, right, yeah. right, absolutely. And you know what? Just for you guys who are not in this area, we're in Jersey City, which is on the west side of the Hudson River, and West New York is in New Jersey, just a little bit north of here on the west side of the Hudson River. Yes. Yep. So why don't you want to play another song and then come back and read some uh, some emails? Yeah, let's play another tune, and then um, I have an email here, and then I have a little shout-out I want to give to a couple of friends of mine. Cool. So why don't we get into a tune? Take us into something. This is To the Metal by Gamma Ray. It's on iTunes, so go pick it up. Razor, natural is the deal. 
That was Gamma Ray. Definitely support those guys. Use the show links in today's notes to go buy that. That was Gamma Ray to the metal. Check them out. Go support those guys. You know, I like that name because that, the Gamma Rays were what made the Hulk the Hulk. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Definitely. I love that show. By the way, I, I'm one of these like animation fanatics. The Family Guy, I don't know if it was a new, I think it was a new episode. They had the, the open of the Family Guy a week or two ago was a parody of the open from the Incredible Hulk. TV oh really? Show. Oh wow, cool. And you know when he's when David uh, Banner is that his name yes, on the Hulk? David yeah, because his yeah. real name was Bruce Banner, right? But then on the Hulk, it was David Banner. Uh, yeah, I thought they called him David Bruce Banner. David Bruce yeah. Banner. Yeah. So do you know that when he was he's fixing the uh, car tire in the rain and then he hurts himself and he turns into yes. the Hulk? They had Stewie, who was the Family Guy baby, like out in that same scene, and then he he like did something with the jack, and then he goes. I just hurt myself with the, you know, jack, and I'm really mad. Like, right, it was yeah. really funny because if, if you were as old as Mark and I are, you may have been a fan of the Hulk, and to see that show open as a parody was great. So anyway, yes, definitely. Gamma Rays, they, they make you into the Hulk. Okay. What do you got there? You got a couple shout-outs? I, yeah, I got a shout-out. I got two shout-outs. I am back over Christmas in Johnstown, Pennsylvania, my hometown, and I am having a little problem with the SD card in my Droid, which I have to tell you, the Droid X is my favorite phone. You have a Droid as well, right, Mark? Yes, I do. And I go into the Verizon store, and I'm going up to the counter to explain my issue, and I'm hoping that they could handle it. And what was amazing is that two guys, two guys, Adam Bruska and Brandon Miller, who work at the Verizon Wireless Store in Johnstown, Pennsylvania, came up to me and said, hey, you're John from Talking Metal. Hey, we are big Talking Metal fans. And uh, I was totally psyched. And uh, basically, as you guys know, I, you know, people say they're fans or listeners. I consider us fans. We're all fans of heavy metal. And I was so psyched to meet these two guys, and I'm going to keep in touch with them. And I just wanted to say thank both of you for helping me out with my droid. Cool. And for listening to Talking Metal, absolutely. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Thanks, guys. Let's get into a, uh, a little email here. I have some Vinnie Vincent news, by the way, oh, which yeah, I cool. will share with you shortly. Good. Uh, this email <laughs> is, uh, hey, gents, just wanted to say hi from Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. I check out your show pretty regularly and listen to it at work on my iPhone. I love the interviews. Keep up the good work. You could lose that character with the over-the-top DJ voice. I forgot his name. He's nothing but annoying and takes away from the flow of the show. It even sounds like you guys don't think he's funny. Why would we? Anyway, have a rock in 2011 and keep the interviews coming. Yeah, you know, it's funny. We've had uh, Bud Friendly, I think you're referring to, has right. been uh, a reoccurring character. I'd, I'd call him on Talking Metal through the years, um, both the podcast and live radio show and podcast uh, and TV show version of right. um, Talking Metal. Uh, and I feel like more of the uh, listeners dislike him, but I'm not, I'm not sure. What do you, you think? You know, we've heard that, but then, uh, you know, we've heard that maybe more letters came from Talking Metal listeners who weren't big fans of Bud Friendly. But on the other hand, we like Bud Friendly, and we've heard people from other parts of the business say that Bud Friendly is great. So, yeah. You know, it's it's something that uh, 
I don't know quite what to make of it, but I personally love the guy, Bud Friendly, and I'm happy when he's hanging out on Talking Metal. Yeah, we should take a survey. You know what? Send us an email at talkingmetal at yahoo.com. Put the subject line, Bud Friendly, and just give us a yay or nay. Right. I'd love to... Uh, yay means you like Bud Friendly. Nay means you don't. Yeah, let us know. Let us know. Send us an email. Again, hey. that's uh, talkingmetal at yahoo.com. Right. And you know what, guys? I may be pronouncing Adam from Verizon's last name incorrectly. It's either Bruska or Brusha. So if I, if I pronounce that wrong, I'm sorry, Adam. Cool. And you got an uh, email there? Yeah, I got an email here. This one is from a guy named Mike from Detroit Rock City. It says, I must have been living under a rock for the last few years. Okay, admittedly, I've never really jumped on the podcast bandwagon. Until now, that is. Got bored one day at work and discovered your podcast. Just wanted to say you guys have really put together a great show or podcast. Looks like I've got 300 or so episodes to get caught up on. Mike from Detroit, Michigan. Well, Mike, thank you very, very much, and I'm so glad that... You were a listener of Talking Metal, and what I really like is that you're not just listening to the current episodes. You're going back, looking at our entire catalog of 300 or so episodes, and not all of them are available on iTunes, but if you go to TalkingMetal.com, at the moment you can get from episode 60 to wherever we are now, which is yeah. like 335, 337, yeah. 337 yeah. something like that. So, Yeah, amazing Absolutely. Stuff. Mike, thank you. Cool. Here's another one. Hey, guys, enjoy your show a bunch. Sadly, that is all I have to say. Lots of laughs. Okay, I'll add something. Do you prefer your metal on vinyl, CD, or cassette tape? For me, nothing beats having it on vinyl. Uh, I just got a really epic feeling when... I just get a really epic feeling when I find something like Dio's Holy Diver, Merciful Fate, or any Iron Maiden record with the big covers. It makes you appreciate the artwork a lot more, plus the sound quality is pretty good at times. I hope you like this letter. Cheers, James from Australia. Uh, thanks, James. James, yeah. thank you, man. Yeah, I, I like my metal any way I can get it. MP3s, CDs, vinyl, cassettes, uh, I listen to it all. Um, you know, there is something that's fun about the vinyl, for sure. Right. Yeah. I'll tell you, my history was that... Not to mention it sounds different, and I think some people think... It's better. even better, yeah. yeah. I think you got to have like a really killer system, and if you got the right system, you know, I know people that will swear to God that vinyl on a good system sounds the best. And you know, I want to I want to mention that I loved getting the actual you know twelve inch album with the inserts and the liner notes and the cover art and all that kind of stuff. I I thought that was cool. I did have a couple of sets cassettes though. I had Power Slave. Yeah, on cassette, right. and I had lick it up on cassette. Those were like, for some reason, probably the I only two cassettes cassette I had. Too, yeah. yeah, and then just about everything else I had on vinyl, and yeah. I still have uh, those vinyl records, which is cool. Uh, the, the thing kit- with the vinyl is you could always buy the vinyl and then tape it. So right, you know, right. Yeah, absolutely. So you can you can make bucks, a cassette off of go the buy vinyl. A Maxell XL Type Two. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know. That was even the XL Type Two. Those were like the higher end Maxells. Yes. Yeah. Uh, TDK. Yeah. 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 So I tell you what, why don't we get into another track here and then we'll come back and wrap it up with some uh, classic Rudy Sarzo before we leave. This cool. is The Pressure Will Blow by Thin Lizzy.
miss you. I have made my decision clear. Not for the first, but the last time I'm setting off slow I'm building it up I'm letting it go The pressure will blow one time I don't want another story You can place it with your nursery rhymes I don't want to take the glory Why don't you and him take it this time? I don't need another reason I can't make another play I know you're both in secret liaison So we must go our separate ways I'm setting off slow I'm building it up I'm letting it go The pressure will blow was The Pressure Will Blow by the great Thin Lizzy. Absolutely. Sometimes referred to as Tin Lizzy. Now, I don't know if the band was, but I think the, the word Thin Lizzy came from a saying that was called Tin Lizzy. Oh, wow. And that, I, think, I think that that was just basically the way that people from Ireland. Right, yes, yeah. Ireland, people from Ireland said the word thin. They just said tin. Yeah. So I think that people might have said, hey, tin Lizzy. And some people said it came from uh, a type of a car, I believe. But then some people said it came from maybe a comic book that had something to do with Eric Clapton. I'm not sure. Look it up, guys. It's, it's a story, if you're a rock fan or a metal fan like we are, it's a story worth checking into. But yeah, I'm definitely. not really sure what it is. One of those controversies. But something about tin Lizzy. So I guess we'll wrap it up here today. Uh, yeah, checking good out podcast, from, yeah, from the Iron Monkey, and I mean, why don't we just go with 
one of the biggest songs from the 1980s featuring Rudy Sarzo. Yeah. Come on, feel the noise. Yeah, no doubt about it. A cover, actually, of the Slade song. Yep. Um, there is talk that they, Quiet Riot at the time, did not want to record right. this song. Um, but their label convinced them to, and uh, or the producers, somebody did. Right. And, uh, wow, what a, what a big hit. And uh, just, I, I loved those, you know, I, I was going to say first two Quiet Riot, but... I guess technically the first two American Quiet Riot right. records, um, Quiet Riot, Metal Health, and Condition Critical, right. both great records. And no doubt about it. And I actually had both of them on vinyl, speaking of vinyl. Yeah, so did I, definitely. Yeah, which is cool. I remember the first time I heard Quiet Riot was up in uh, upstate New York. I was at my cousin's place, and the older cousin, he played wow. it for me. I was just blown away. Trying so. to figure out where I first heard it. Probably from... My friend Mike Corsi or my friend Don Reese, they probably had it first and turned me on to the group. Yeah, that was interesting stuff. Anyways, guys, thanks for joining us. Um, definitely stay tuned. We're trying to schedule another live show at this point. Maybe February 15th. We're not sure, but right. we'll, we'll make something happen, too. And I think we're going to try some uh, versions of the podcast where you're in your apartment and I'm at my house. Right. And we... we do it Skype and see yeah. how that works out. So that's going to be exciting. And, guys, once again, we are going to be revamping the TalkingMetal.com site soon. Uh, so so keep, keep your eye on that. And there's a chance that we might be starting up a new RSS feed. Yeah. So just keep in touch with us. Keep in touch with the site. And we will let you know what to do. Because there's a, a chance that if you're a subscriber on iTunes in like a month or two, you might have to resubscribe. Right, yeah. Just keep that in the back of your mind. If for some reason your iTunes hasn't updated the the podcast or your RSS, no matter what where you're getting this podcast, hasn't hasn't given you a fresh episode in a while. You know, we put these episodes up on average about once a week. So if if, if three weeks have gone by and you haven't gotten an episode there's a problem somewhere. Um, we may have put up a new RSS. Just know that you need to go into iTunes or wherever, again, you get this uh, podcast and resubscribe. Correct. Correct. Yeah, cool. This is Quiet Riot with Come On, Feel the Noise.